You're listening to the Property Pal Podcast. In this episode, Errol and Jordan are joined by featured guest Barry McClure, Director of Macmillan Estate Agents. With almost 20 years experience working for one of NI's largest estate agents, Barry weighs in on the current trends they're experiencing in the sales and rentals market. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and we'd love to hear from our listeners, so please check out the links in the description and connect with us. Now it's over to Errol, Jordan and special guest, Barry McClure. Afternoon, Errol. Afternoon, Jordan. How's the form? You keeping well? I'm all right. And congratulations. I believe the wedding was true. It was true. I wasn't spiffing. I was just taking (laughs) myself away for a couple of weeks. No, um, yeah, it was great. Thanks. So I got myself over to Italy, some sun, pizza, pasta, just living the dream. So... Back to the grind now, unfortunately, get normal work. So, But I believe you had a very good conversation with uh, Mr. Hagen when I was away. It was interesting, yes. And um, in terms of people tuning into the, the podcast, I think it, it'll it'll break all records uh, <laughs> because I think we had a retention throughout the whole thing of 96% who listened to it the whole way through. So, yeah. Yeah, you certainly can capture attention of people. Uh, it's great to hear. I mean, you touched on a lot of really important topics and... I mean, there's a lot more to get into, obviously, with him, and he, but he's highlighted really the planning challenges. So I think there's a lot more we'll get into that, and we certainly need to reflect uh, different perspectives, shall we say? So we'll look to do that in future podcasts as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, there's just that's uh, that's open to can of worms. It has, it has. I mean, we've we've seen some of the messages we've been getting in from people. There's mm-hmm. lots of people in agreement, some in disagreement. Um, so uh, there's certainly oh, more to, certainly more to explore, in it, shall <laughs> we say? But. Uh, Anyway, so look, we're here today to do another one. I mean, we're kind of going to go back into the actual sort of the housing market and what we're seeing in the the dynamics there. So we have released our Q3 report, which I'm sure you've read because I sent it to you, but I'm not sure if you did. No comment. So basically, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what we've we've got into the routine of doing now. You know, doing the analysis, reporting objectively on the numbers, and what we're actually trying to see of what's going on in the housing market, and as close to real time as possible. Let's go through just even spend a couple of minutes. What is what is our Q3 report shown? I mean, we're kind of at the point now where last year. We had all the policy announcements. We were told the extension of stamp duty, uh, the furlough extension, things like that was all pointing to, right, Q3 is going to be the end point and that's where we're going to see what's going on in the housing market and everything. So we're now at that point of trying to understand it. And our, our data now shows us there were about 7,500 uh, properties sold, which is up about 9% compared to 2019 levels. Two years ago, because we can't use last year's analysis. Well, we can lose... We well, can, we could, but yeah. it wouldn't be right. But if we compare it to last year, it's down 25%. Mm. Now, that's an interesting distinction as well. So it kind of says the market is operating at higher than normal levels, mm-hmm. but considerably below where it was kind of when it was artificially high last year. But... One of the things which I've been kind of trying to point out as well is there's been all this chat, you know, we're in a housing boom. The housing market is absolutely booming. I I try to be a bit more almost sanguine about it and just kind of say, is it really booming? Or is it just a case of, remember, the market was closed for three months last Mm -hmm. year. A lot of activity has been deferred. And Mm -hmm. whenever you look at that in actual numbers, I mean, last year there were about 4,500 fewer sales because of the pandemic, really, Mm -hmm. and that, that temporary closure. 
this year to date we've seen about 5,000 additional sales beyond what we otherwise would have seen so really the net effect is kind of just recouping all that lost activity if you will so we're now kind of at the point where again we're seeing that starting to peter out everything is normalizing a wee bit mm-hmm. and generally speaking things are becoming a bit more sustainable which which in my personal view is, is, is absolutely a good thing and we, we, did, we didn't want to see prices getting carried away and the market running at those really high levels for much longer so it's kind of suggesting to me things are settling and that, that's to be treated as a kind of a good thing and what, what, what's your kind of view on that well what would you say about the natural property numbers that are going on to the market ah that's that's a different story that mm. is that's one of the big challenges which is going to continue to, to face the market in the months to come and i mean i'm trying to remember the numbers off the top of my head here but certainly on the sales side i think total inventory on property pile today you'll see however many properties are available compared to again if you had done this on this exact day back in 2019 mm-hmm. it's down around sort of 40 percent in it the sales is, market it's about that yeah so and, and we're hearing this from lots of people who message saying like where are all the houses where are they coming from and that that is the challenge simply facing the market there isn't enough stock to keep up with the the heightened level of demand that we are still seeing feeding through there so that's going on and then by extension of that the rental market is a whole different game at the oh minute my word. it's Absolutely. Tr- truly it's, it's absolutely desperate and I, I really feel for any tenants who are searching for properties in it or experiencing difficulties because well, I feel it, sorry for the estate agents too because they've actually got that many inquiries to deal with and, and all the stories are no doubt hearing from people that are absolutely nearly on their knees begging to try and get a house now because it's so difficult okay well I'll back that up you're saying lots of inquiries so standardised measure how many inquiries we get for every property in rentals in the rentals 78 78 is correct mm-hmm. you did read the report so think about that 78 <laughs> inquiries for every single property I know it's mental there's just not enough and that's about four times higher than kind of the three year average so really the, the demand in the rental market is at very 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 high levels and there's lots of challenges feeding through there so I mean that's what I'm saying we're going to get into all this specifically with our yes, guests here, yes, here shortly will. but so the only other thing I kind of want to mention is the wider sort of economic climate at the minute we're, we're now at the point furlough has ended mm-hmm. we, we don't have the data to kind of back up yet what this actually means from a wider labour market perspective and just to remind everybody now furlough finished at the beginning of the October? Yeah, pretty okay. much pretty pretty much around then a few mm-hmm. a few weeks ago sort of thing. So we're we need to assess that really in the next couple of months, mm-hmm. how many of those people have moved into employment, how many are inactive, how many are, are in different jobs, things okay. like that there. So it is still frankly too early to tell that, but right. we're already seeing tentative signs that unemployment has increased. Uh, it's now sitting at around for sort of four point one percent, which is up around eleven thousand since before the pandemic. So we're starting to see the the normal recessionary pressures feeding through there. But the other point I want to touch on in this section, which is kind of, I mean, I'm sure you've seen if you're, you're following the news at all, the big announcements around sort of inflation and the pressures on prices, particularly on the energy, energy. side at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, really, this this is going on right across the world. And from a sort of a UK perspective, and inflation for anyone listening that's, is, is kind of a measurement, which is to tra- track the typical spending and price of goods and services that people buy. It's meant to be a representative measure of, of kind of normal household spending, if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. The Bank of England are targeted to try and keep that around 2% if possible. It's now sitting at around 3.2% and it's estimated to get to sort of 4, maybe even 5% sort of by Christmas into early next year. Jeepers. Part of that is driven, as I say, because of this huge pressures we're seeing in the energy markets. Now, the reasons for that are really quite complex. It's a combination of factors of largely reduced supply, cold winters in Europe, 
lots of demand feeding through from China in particular. Um, and then generally speaking, as all these economies have kind of reopened and kick-started things again, it's just heightened all the demand. And now what we're seeing is energy companies across the UK going bust and the two major local firms here. Uh, I mean, I've got the price rise letter myself. Bills are going up sort of 20%. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to have really big pressure for households coming into winter. It's, I'm also interested to see it from a wider sort of working-from-home perspective. You know, will we start to see workers actually, hmm, these bills are getting quite expensive. I'm going to go back in and use my employer's heating bill. Um, but, I mean, this is a really serious area because particularly sort of lower-income households, they spend proportionally more of their outgoings on servicing their utilities. So mm-hmm. they're going to feel this squeeze coming through there on, on top of these sort of the wider economic impacts of saying, you know, the reduction of furlough, change in universal credit conditions, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there are these pressures mounting beneath the surface. But what I would say as well, this inflation debate is probably, in my view, the biggest one to watch going into 2022 because the one thing that the Bank of England will have to do if inflation gets out of control is step in and raise interest rates. So the typical rate people are paying in mortgages are going to go upwards, which means you're paying more money month to month again to service that mortgage bill. So it's one that we need to see at the minute. I mean, inf- inflation isn't out of control, but it's certainly really high on the on the risk register for the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee. So it's one we'll keep an eye on and look on, and kind of feedback what this means for the mortgage market and, and typical uh, mortgages for people buying in Northern Ireland. So that to me is the one to watch. But again, we'll maybe get uh, our guests perspective on that, what they think. Mm-hmm. The final thing I want to touch on here as well before, before we get Barry in is this new survey out in, uh, in in England, so it's it's take that obviously with the caveat, it's an English survey, but it's kind of a good measurement to track what's been going on with sort of household finances. Uh, and just to throw a few stats on it here, I mean, uh, number of households in mortgage arrears, so pretty much those who are kind of defaulting or unable to keep up with their mortgage payments, it's currently sitting at around 2%. Mm-hmm. Now, before the pandemic, that was sitting at around 0.5%. So there's still some households that are struggling. But, but they did they did have an earlier report about that before they knew where this was going right now, that they were more worried than what this has actually turned out to be. Y- exactly, yeah. So, I mean, late last year, it was about 6%. Yeah, so, so it, it's quite encouraging. It wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Exactly. And that's the kind of one of the big differences from this and the sort of the financial crash of 2007 eight. Arrears were much higher, lasted much longer, and we saw banks and lenders moving into that repossession territory. Mm. That hasn't been a symptom so far of this pandemic and, and associated recession, which is a good thing. But yeah. again, it's still at higher levels than, than before. Now, on the rental side, I mean, this is, again, where pressures are feeling. The rental arrears, but 7% of those people are in arrears, but a further 9% said they're likely to fall further behind in the next three months. So you're talking 15 to yes. 20% of renters oh, are chunk. starting to feel the pressure. That's oh, a chunky number. Absolutely is, absolutely is. So, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the areas where, where I think it's really important. And I think that's a good natural point. We'll want to we'll get our guests for you. I mean, obviously, we've got Barry and he's a director in McMillan's, one of the biggest agents in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a very strange year for them, I'm sure, as well. So uh, what, what I want to get out of this, and I'm sure what our listeners want to, is what's actually happening on the ground? Is, is things starting to slow? What's happening to the prices of houses? Why are so many going way above asking price? Mm. And when's this going to stop and become more sustainable for people? Because certainly we're getting messages every day. Every day. It's still not there yet. No. So let's let's get into the conversation and, and see what he has to say. Okay, let's go. Hi, Barry. Thanks so much for coming in today. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, we're delighted. And we thought it would be really useful. Obviously, you're you're one of the biggest agents in the country. And Errol and I have spent the last couple of weeks pretending like we know what's going on in the housing market. <laughs> so we thought, why not actually get someone down who's, who's selling the houses day in, day out and, and get your experience. So we're, we're delighted to have you. I think the first thing, without, without something too obvious, can you give us your view of kind of the market and generally speaking the journey over the last 18 months? Yeah, I suppose um, a journey is probably the best way of describing it. I've been... Uh, roller coaster? I, yeah, roller coaster, yeah. I've been working with and in Macmillan's from 2002, so seen the very busy times, seen the quieter times. This is, without doubt, the busiest 18 months I've put in in all that time. Um, I suppose starting in June, we didn't really know what we were going back to after two months of mm-hmm. closure. But all of a sudden, back in the office, valuations could be carried out and boom, it was a very fast pace. Most people were putting the house on the market because they had waited two months to get to that point. So you had a flurry of them? Flurry of them and flurry of activity as well. You were literally coming in the morning to maybe 100, 150 overnight emails, all inquiries. Hopefully people all wanted, us, of course. Oh, mostly. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but seriously, 150-odd yeah, every day to, to yeah, go through? To literally go through, and the majority of, of those inquiries were wanting to view the property. So it was busy times. A lot of bidding then started up very quickly, and all of a sudden we realised on the back of COVID we were at an advantage compared to a lot of other businesses that it was going to be it was going to be a good time to, to sell a house. Mm-hmm. One of the things which I've been thinking about, and we've had some questions in from our audience um, who've, who've tried to give us some thoughts on what they're looking mm. as well. And could you explain just a wee bit about how the general bidding process works? Because we've heard some horror stories recently. And let's, let's just take a completely random example. Say a house well, went on the market. Well, well, we've got one here from Shannon who bought a house that was listed at 169,950. And it went sale agreed at 196,000. Yep. Is that normal in the current climate is what she wanted to know? And she's worried about negative equity in the future. Yeah, I suppose at, at that price level, that would be fairly common at the minute. But it's important. Shannon needs to be happy with what she's paying for the house. And that was an offer that she put in. And you need to be careful not to get carried away with bidding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the owner wants to get as much for the house as possible. And we are paid uh, for that vendor. However, we, we don't want this getting out of control either. There, there's a number of things they need to think about. They need to maybe go for independent financial advice to look at mortgages. How can they afford this? Can they afford it? And if interest rates, for example, went up or costs of utilities go up, are they able to still afford the house? Maybe looking at their long term, how long do they plan to stay in this house? There's no doubt buying a property, there is risk with it. Property prices go up, property prices go down, as we know from 2007. Mm-hmm. But demand's very high at the minute and still continues into to this quarter or in, in the last month. We're looking average of 12 days of properties being on the market that have been listed in that period. 12 days, an average of 12 days. Mental. Which Mm -hmm. with an average of 20 viewers. So demand is very high. I suppose then back to Shannon, she will be getting a mortgage survey done. So the mortgage companies send out a surveyor on her behalf. They they do. If she is, I suppose, concerned, maybe if she wants to get a a more detailed homebuyer's report, that they would go out and maybe find any defects that if for her mm. financial planning for the future that she's aware of all that's right and wrong with the house. The When the bidding gets to a point where we're selling a lot of properties so we can see what's normal and what's not. So I think 
it's important that, that we would, if there are three or four bidders and it, it's getting maybe beyond what we would feel the mortgage company would be comfortable with, that we would flag that. And just, I suppose sometimes you can get carried away with bidding just to say, now you're aware it's getting to a level now that the surveyor yeah. may have an issue with us. No, that's interesting because... Typically, from an outsider's perspective, they would think an estate agent is just trying to go and get the price higher and higher and higher. But what you're saying there is no, because realistically, this is going to come back that the mortgage or the bank is going to come back and go, it's not worth that. No, yeah, that's yeah. quite likely if it does get out of control. And sometimes, even just to have that conversation, they maybe overnight think about it and say, actually, no, we're we're comfortable with where we're at, but we don't want to increase our offer. And there would be fundamentally a difference between this time and 2007, where if somebody bid and somebody bid higher than that and higher than that again, there are rules and restrictions in place to stop that or to tr- slow that down with the banks this time as opposed to maybe where the hands were off the wheel yes. in 2007. Yeah, yeah. Earl, I'll come in there. So basically, I mean, what's changed? I mean, I've seen lots of people asking me, is this a bubble? This must be like 2007. Prices are going 7, 8, 9, 10%. But the rules are different. So that's exactly it. And one of the biggest changes from back then is lending rules. And mm-hmm. back in sort of 2005, 6, 7, all sort of mortgage lending was driven by Predominantly uh, a growth in the buy-to-let sector, so smaller sort of terraced townhouse properties where people were looking to put on the rental market. Mm. But lenders were lending five, six, seven, eight times income levels. Since then, it's changed and they're restricted, arguably more in some cases, but they're restricted now where you can tend to only borrow four to five times Mm. your income. And they've stuck to that. And and largely it's protected the financial system and ultimately consumers Mm. uh, in a much safer way. Okay, okay. We've had some questions in from our audience and lots of people say to us, I can afford £700 a month rent, therefore why can't I have a house with a mortgage at £700 a month? Basically that process through lenders when you do your credit and risk assessment sort of thing, they have to factor in an example where interest rates do go up by a certain a couple of percentage points and see how that would impact the mortgage to make sure you can repay it at that level sort of thing. My kind of view is even just reading the change in language from the Bank of England's sort of recent inflation reports is it seems to be suggesting perhaps interest rate rises are coming next year, maybe sooner than than we expected and that will have its risks. I think any interest rate rises are going to be very slow and gradual. Uh Now we're at the point they're very low. We're in a very fragile economic position. The recovery's just started, so they're not going to do anything to destabilise that recovery from, from COVID, really, and, and general fragile labour market conditions. So, so you think it's going to be an increase, but you think it's going to be a small increase? Certainly, yeah. I think if, if I could fast-forward the clock to the end of 2022, I would be surprised if interest rates are higher than 0.75%, 1% the max. I don't think we're, we're going to see much raises, but there okay. will be slow and steady over, over the course of the next sort of 12 to 18 months. Okay, yeah. okay. The other thing is, this is Shannon still, yeah. and it was she would love to know more about property prices that they were actually sold for. And she's finding a massive difference in what the guide prices and property pal and what the place actually sells for, if she gets told. She says she finds it very hard to find out what a place sells for because some of the estate agents will not give out that information. Yeah. You can get that in the Republic of Ireland, you can get that in Scotland, you can get that in England, and you can get it in Wales, but guess where you can't get that? No. So, Barry why is this not given out or do you give it out or do you prefer not to give this information out? Yeah, no, we're not We're not able to give that information out. I suppose Shannon could contact um, 
agents about current properties that are for sale. So that would help her to check she's comfortable with what she's paying because there are many properties for sale at the minute with bids on them and bidding. But, but when... she can ask about what the latest bidding is that what yes. you're getting at? Yep. I see. But, but once it's agreed... It's, you have to go, you go yep. silent on yep. it. Yeah, Sounds um, awful, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, and that's it's under GDPR. You have all the rules and regulations, and it's the vendor's business, I suppose, what they sold the, the property at is the, the way it's looked at in Northern but Ireland. But the bidding, you are freely happy to give that information out over yep. the telephone. Yeah. So it would give her a fair gauge. Instead of asking what the house sold for, is ask for the houses that are currently on the market, if there's yes. any bidding on them, and if so, what is it? Yep, that's it. Okay, thank you. And in terms of why in hell's name do we not have sold prices in Northern Ireland? You need to give me a couple of beers and sit with me for oh. about an hour to go oh, through I'll this. I won't get them <laughs> Basically, uh, it's a long story and I'm doing everything I can to try and break down the red tape that is circumventing this from happening because, as you say, Northern Ireland's the only place and it makes it a relatively opaque market where people don't have the information available to them. But it's very complicated and it involves pretty much going to the highest level in government and policy and HMRC, but yeah. I'm doing my best to work through the hurdles. Okay, Bart, let's let's leave the sales market there for a minute. Just I want to quickly go through the rental market. So some of the trends that we're seeing at the minute is basically the number of rental listings on property pile compared to 2019 is now down around 50%. And linked to that, the demand that we're seeing for rentals, basically for every rental property we put up at the minute, on average, we're getting 78 inquiries sent across yeah. to the agent. Which is which, three to fourfold what we normally yeah. would do in normal times. Yeah, which would tie in with our figures too. We're, we predominantly only hear from the people who are searching and it sounds like it's an absolutely horrific time for people to be trying to find a suitable rental yeah. property and then just joining a list of... 77 people in front of them. What's happening in the rental market? Are you seeing rising rents, shortage of supply, those sort of things? Yeah, it's similar to the sale market. Normally you would see either the sale market being very good or the rental market being very good and if Mm. one drops, the other increases. But with the rentals and sales, there have been extremely high demand for both, which is challenging when you have 78 people wanting to view one property. Mm. Previously, you would have had an open hour where you would have opened the doors and and let everybody through or 20 people through in that hour. But you can't do that. So everybody needs their individual appointment and it's all about being safe, protecting. So how are you coping then? How are you doing it then? If there's 78 inquiries, one rental property, I I take it you're going to have to try and do some sort of um, vetting beforehand to try and let... Yes, only so, a handful through because yeah. if if you give everybody an hour's appointment, yeah. you'd be there for three days, yeah, well, day be, without sleep. No. Yeah, so we would um, do an assessment online that they can apply and enter some basic details and from that then look at their applications and then get the, the suitable candidates I booked see, in. to reduce the numbers Just down the numbers, for COVID. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the rental market's one area I'm seeing is red flags from a wider economic standpoint. I mean, a shortage of properties there. Rent's now sitting at sort of 5.5%, rising utility bills, inflation across the board, potential shocks to income for people. It's all suggesting a very difficult period for tenants searching for property. Yeah, and the other thing is, Jordan, I think as well, we will explore it another time, but hypothetically, I think we're now seeing, we have seen ourselves, I suppose, there is a lot of the rental properties that we were seeing as rentals every year have now converted this year to be sales. Now, we ha- we did speak to another agent about this um, off-air just to ask him, look, finger in the air, is this happening? 
And he says, I don't need a finger in the air. I can tell you it's happening. And he's saying it's practically a fallout from people who uh, bought houses in 2007 to be those would-be landlords yeah. who then got themselves really burnt by it and are now having valuation stuff and are being pleasantly surprised at what they're hearing the valuation is and yeah. they weren't expecting it to quite be so good yeah. and have decided that's it, we're going now. So yeah. there's a lot of that apparently from somebody that was based in Belfast told us that. Yeah, and we're, we're experiencing that as well. I suppose they didn't initially intend to rent that property out. It was the time that they bought it and maybe what they paid for it and it was a short term fix where now as the property uh, prices have lifted they've received rent over that period mm-hmm. all of a sudden it, it makes more sense to, to take advantage of that. It's just a very interesting situation that's why we think the rental market in terms of the number of stock has reduced. Yeah and it's not as easy for people to move about so less people are, are maybe given their notice on rental properties to go elsewhere but there's that kind of high interest in what is listed. You also have the challenge of the, the three-month notice that's still yeah. uh, in place in Northern Ireland. I think it's been lifted in England. So if, for example, that landlord that wants to sell the property, they've had to give three months' notice to, to move out, which is what tenants need, I suppose, to protect them and what is a Absolutely. difficult time to move. I think we'll leave the chat there. That's been very useful. Thank you so much Great. for coming in. We really appreciate your Thanks time again and for having your insight. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.